0: I like it. I tell you, we uh we find we left we left Virginia this week. I was uh, hugging on uh, our granddaughter and uh, having such a good time with her on wednesday and then thursday we traveled to uh, ohio and then i hopped on a plane and went to minneapolis and then came over to portland and and uh, then came down and you know what it doesn't seem that far away but somehow when i called my son this morning at five o'clock and uh, he said dad i'm not even out of bed i said you ought to be it's five over here (laughs) you gotta you gotta keep all that straight i'm telling you i don't know how you all do it with anybody that you have friends back there but i got family back there and i'm so glad that uh, we can connect. What a privilege to be able to be here at Westside Baptist Church. We're so excited for you and what God is doing in your midst. And, uh, you know, I love your pastor. He's my friend. And uh, we uh, have lots of connections and more connections. It sounds like are going to keep on happening. We're thrilled about that. And anxious about the camp week. Thank you for what you're doing to pray for those who are already serving. And that makes a difference as well. And uh, thank you. Thank you as well for. Uh, the accommodations here, I, I never get over the prophet's chamber. It's such a beautiful place. In fact, last night I took the time to write in the guest book, and I said, I can't think of anything I could ask for or dream of here, except for my wife. That would be a blessing. <laughs> and uh, you know what? We miss sometimes the people that are with us, and uh, and uh, I, I'm just so glad. You know, as you think about it, I, I, I'm glad when my wife is next to me. I, do you like being next to people? There you go. Hey, I like it. And you're you're sitting next to somebody and it's always fun in church. You know, you come down the aisle and you look and you see who's here, who's here. Now, where can I sit? How am I going to get in? Some of you never think about that, do you? You sit in your seat. It's the assigned seat you've been given for all these years and you just stay there. That's your spot. It's OK, too. And sometimes, you know, you end up next to somebody and sometimes they <laughs> they might be like this guy, you know. And you're going, hey, stop that! You know, keep that up. It's kind of funny things you get next to. uh, It's pulling up uh, next. I pull pull up next to cars all the time, but but I I saw this picture. I thought it was interesting because these these two vehicles they had the exact same license plate uh, letters, but they were in different order. And you know that's just kind of a funny thing. You find things that are that are that are next to you, and uh, sometimes I, you realize people are working next to you, and that gets exciting. Hey, somebody was asking me. They, they said, "Now, are you are you on a diet or something?" I said, "No, no, 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 not really. I'm just trying to be careful. Except for the fact that Greg came up with, or somebody came up with this theme about uh, let us run with patience, you know, and lay aside every weight. Man, I'm telling you what that'll." challenge a preacher so i've been working at that process and trying to get this belt so it goes over there farther you know what i'm saying and uh, this has been exciting as we've been doing that but being next to people and and one guy said he said have you heard about the garlic diet i said no i haven't heard about it. have you heard about the garlic diet yeah you, you don't lose weight you, you just look smaller from a distance yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> and and I was reading through the book of Nehemiah, and I love Nehemiah. I get so challenged by Nehemiah all the time. And I was reading in chapter number three, and it's one of those chapters where you just kind of go, nah, 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 nah. would you join me there in Nehemiah chapter number three? I'm reminded as I came from Amish country this week of a, a barn that went up. And, and by the way, you could YouTube this if you wanted to. But have you seen an Amish barn raising? I mean, it's absolutely fascinating in just a few minutes they'll show what 10 hours of work will do when these guys like ants, are crawling all over and there was nothing and now all of a sudden there's a whole barn there sometimes two barns when people get next to each other and as I was reading in Nehemiah chapter number three it says Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priest and they builded the sheep gate and they sanctified it and set up the doors to it even unto the tower of Mia they sanctified unto the tower of Hanamel verse two and next unto him builded the Men of Jericho. And next to them builded zaker And verse number four, and next unto them repaired Meramoth. And verse five, next unto them the Tekoites repaired. And verse seven, and next unto them repaired Melatiah. And verse eight, next unto him repaired Uziel. And next unto them, verse nine, repaired Rephaiah. And verse 12, next unto him repaired Shalem. And I'm reading down through here, and it all of a sudden changes the little scenario in verse number 17. And it says, after him repaired the Levites, and 18, after him repaired their brethren. Verse number 19, and next to him. Man, I said, God, I think I'm getting it. I'm not sure what you're trying to teach in all of this, but I am excited about the fact that when we get next to someone, it can make a difference for God. And it can make a difference in our lives when we begin to find the right connections and meet with people in close proximity. When you get next to somebody, it begins to change your life. When you get next to somebody, you begin to feel them. You begin to smell them. Yeah. And on a hot summer day, you can feel the sweat dripping off of them or you can see the beads of perspiration on their brow. And and my wife always goes, "Ooh, I don't know why they want to show those close ups on television. When you see a basketball game and they show a close up with a guy who's just dunked the ball and he's got sweat dripping all off. him." she goes, oh, that is so gross. It's like, honey, be glad you're not next to him, you know. And I come in from outside and I'm doing the same thing. And she comes over and I try to kiss her. and She goes, oh, honey, please wait, wait. <laughs> you need a shower. That's what she says. You know, you get cleaned up. Hey, you get next to somebody and you're going to find out a little bit more about them. You're going to realize when somebody's nearby and this is what happened here. These people were next to one another and they had an important duty to accomplish and they decided that they were going to do. Listen, when you get next to somebody, I don't know who it's going to be because it could be anyone. It could be somebody in your family. It could be one of your neighbors. When you get next to your neighbors, guess what can happen? You can minister to your neighbor when you're next to it. You say, well, we just build a big fence. I'm going to suggest you can have a fence, but I'm going to tell you, you better make a place where you can connect with your neighbor, see where you can reach across and you can get next to him or you can go around the fence. And the same thing is true uh, with your family and and with those that you're involved with in in your ministry and all of those kind of things. In fact, your coworkers, you know, people at your business, you're going to get next to them. You're going to work with them. Some of them are easy to get along with. Some of them, whew, you just don't even want to be next to them, do you? And some of them think completely differently than you. That's not bad. That's a good thing here in the church. Have you noticed sometimes you gravitate to the same people? Hey, get next to somebody else. Connect with somebody you're not connected with, and find out what God wants to do. Because here's how God works in this way in Nehemiah. And when all of a sudden this thought hit me, I said, "God, this is so simple. I love this choir up here. Isn't that beautiful? When you come in at nine thirty in the morning and somebody's already singing, and those horns are playing over there. Boy, you're blessed. I'm telling you what. That'll fill up that new auditorium. That that low brass." sound I love that and you get next to somebody and some of you say well that's the only way I'd ever sing because if I'm not listening to somebody else I'm way off yeah and some of you say I don't want anybody to get next to me (laughs) I was standing at a campfire at our son's camp there in Virginia and uh, one of the men was standing next to me and we were singing songs around the campfire and I thought Whoa, I better think about what I'm doing because that is really, he bless his heart. I mean, he's giving it all he's got, but he's somewhere else on the melody. <laughs> I'm a musician and I know a little bit about that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, what, you know what I love? I just love the joyful noise unto the Lord. Hey, just give it unto the, and it's not about the song. Hey, listen, if, it's been said that if, if the, uh, the, Birds with the best voices were the only ones that sang. The forest might be silent, but I'm going to tell you what. When you have a voice and you get next to somebody else, wow, you can turn into a choir in a heartbeat. And it begins to make a difference. When you get in close proximity, that's why I think it's so important that you get in the in the word of God, under the man of God, in the house of God, and you begin to get in close proximity. He says, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's get together. Let's keep connected. And by the way, during the next few months, maybe while there's transition going on, there might be some of you who say, well, nobody will miss me. I'm not in my same spot. Things are all different. Listen, you be the one who's going to make the difference. You get in there and you get someone else to fill up that seat next to you. Get somebody in there that's going to make a difference oh i love this because not only were these guys all in close proximity but you're going to notice that they were they had a common project a common project now notice in verse number uh, two it says next unto him builded, and verse number four next unto them repaired and verse number of uh, f- seven it says next unto them repaired and verse eight they repaired and verse nine they repaired and ten they repaired you see that they repaired. we had a bunch of people repairing You say, well, we know about that. How many of you have a house? That's what I thought. How many of you repair it? Yeah, if you don't, you're in trouble. It's going down. Bible says through idleness of hands, the house droppeth through. We were traveling through Pennsylvania, and I said to the kids, we're driving along, and I said, look, 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 look. And they go, what, Dad? That's an old man sitting on a porch that's fallen all in, and he's just a swing. And I said, yeah, Ecclesiastes, ten eighteen through idleness of hands, the house droppeth through. The whole thing, I don't know how he was even sitting on the porch, but I'm telling you, you're going to have to repair something. There's work that has to be done, and when people get in close proximity with a common project, watch out, something can happen. And that is what really ignites me when I think of what God does with people who are in a p- common project. Now, I want you to notice that these people during Nehemiah's time were building the wall of Jerusalem. You're going to say that doesn't look much like the wall of Jerusalem than I understand. No, because this was the Jerusalem in Nehemiah's time. It was just this section sometimes called the city of David. And uh, you're not going to be able to see this. But let me just just share with you that the old gate, as you read through Nehemiah, you're going to read about all these gates. And you're going to go, where in the world are those gates? You know, you got the old gate over here and there's the sheep gate up in this area over here. And there uh, and, and there's various types of gate, the horse gate right over here about this side. And then this is an older section of wall right over here, right down. Here's Watergate. We won't even go there. No. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh we got a mess all right down here we got the fountain gate and uh on around here there's the valley gate over in here but it's interesting in our text today in verse number 19 it says and next to him repaired Ezer the son of jeshua the ruler of Mizpah another piece over against the going up to the armory at the turning of the wall As I began to study this, I began to find it fascinating that the armory is just about right in this section here. And as the wall begins to turn up and go this direction toward the east, then you'll notice that that section right there, here's our guy. Here's our guy in verse number 19. He's working in this area. Now, he doesn't have to work up here. He doesn't have to work over here. He doesn't work over here. This is his spot. He's figured out where he's to be. Obviously, Nehemiah has instructed him. And so he has a particular area and he knows that when he does his thing, then things are going to move ahead. And this is exciting to me. Look at what it says in chapter number two. Nehemiah comes through and he is examining the wall. He comes through at night. He figures out the whole plan. And I want you to see what he says in verse number 18. This is vitally important. You'll see it says, then I told them. Of the hand of who? My God. Yeah, my God, which was good upon me. And he says, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I want you to notice the important thing about this common project, that it was God focused. These people knew right away that this was not something that Nehemiah had conjectured up in his own mind. This was something that God was in. Now, here's what I want to tell you. And this is so vitally important. As we travel across the country, there are a lot of people who are in God's family who are involved in things that aren't going anywhere. I want to encourage you when you see God moving, you get on board. Where God's moving. If you really want to go someplace. That's why I like Westside Baptist. Because this thing is moving. It's going forward. It's been going forward. It's continuing to go forward. It's going to make a difference in Eugene. And wow, does Eugene need a difference? (laughs) They say, well, man, I'm telling you, this is quite a place. They bring the track and field folks down here to, to have this. Big, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. The other day, I'm up in Portland, and my wife writes me, and she says, Did you know that the Olympic trials are in Eugene? I said, No, I didn't. I just hope that they're off the road by the time I get there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're glad for our Olympic runners, aren't we? And, and praise God for Eugene. I talked with a lady this week, and her name was Eugenia. And I said, are you from Eugene? She said, no, I have nothing to do with it. And I would just, I would just go, hey listen, if you're from Eugene, thank God, but Eugene needs the gospel. Eugene needs what God alone can do. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed at the exciting ministry that goes on when God is moving. These people understood that God was in control. See, Nehemiah understood that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. They were in a mess. The gates were burned. Walls are broken down. He's sad. He goes into the king's presence. You remember in chapter one, chapter number two, right at the beginning, he's the cupbearer. And the king says, why is your countenance so sad? It says he'd never been sad before. Wait, 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 wait. Never sad in the king's presence. Well, how do you do that? Obviously, he understood his ministry to the king It was not just bearing the cup. It was a ministry of encouragement. But this time, his heart is so burdened, so burdened that he can't even smile as he goes into the king's presence. And the king says, what's wrong? And he says, my homeland, the place where my family's graves are, is in shambles. The walls are broken down. This was a personal matter to Nehemiah. It was a family matter to Nehemiah. It mattered to him. When he told the king, the king got on board. He said, what is it you need? He says, we'll do it. Who is it you need? We'll get him. He sent him on a, on a project. He's in the midst of this project. And these men go forward recognizing that God has ordained this. And now they're working under the power of God through the leadership of Nehemiah. That's what you want to do. You get under power of God and watch what happens when you begin to see him working now there was something else these people were gap focused you see they were filling in the holes that needed to be repaired last week i was in pennsylvania about 15 miles from gettysburg any of you study civil war history yeah well there's civil war out here too wasn't it and uh, watched uh, watched the reenactment out here over in Willamina area several years ago and and uh, just just always fascinated uh just fascinated i was down in south carolina and they had to make some guys who were from the south get blue uniforms on so that they could actually fight against the south in the reenactment and they were not very happy about it yeah and uh, so we're standing there, you know. And here came the here, here came the blue guys, and they're going through on their horses, and the cavalry's coming around. And these other guys are shooting. And here comes the gray, and they're coming in the blue. And I'm going, go blue. And a lady came over me, uh, came over, and she said, "What?" I knew I was in trouble. I, I was in South Carolina, and these people were from the South, and. Uh... <laughs> And she went on with a whole rant about various kinds of people and whether they were good or bad or whether she said, I'm from the South, born and bred. And uh, well, anyway, she had a few other things to say. I won't even go there, <laughs> but, I, but I'll just tell you that people, people in the Civil War, when they did this, this military tactic, this, this old world kind of military uh, arrangement, when somebody got knocked out, they'd fill in the ranks, they'd fill in the holes. I don't understand it. Somebody else get in there. We'll shoot you next. You know, just fill in the gap. I kind of like the revolutionary guys. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Hiding behind trees and rocks. That makes a whole lot more sense to me. (laughs) He says, listen, just fill in the gap. Kind of reminds us of what Ezekiel 2230 says, doesn't it? God's looking for a man to stand in the gap. We were coming up from the south and we came up to our house in Greenville, South Carolina. And my son said to me, he said, dad, nobody's here. What's the sense of coming? I said, that's a good point. Let's sell the house. <laughs> when nobody's there, when there's nobody to get next to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, in the meantime, you got to fix it up. You know, well, isn't that the craziest thing? You do things before you sell a house that you should have done years ago, but you never do it until you get ready to sell it. Isn't that crazy? It's just, it's just nutty. And I told the kids, I said... We are going to redo this entire kitchen. Had the old knotty pine covered. Some of you may have them and love them. That's wonderful, but ours didn't work. And, they, they, and the ceiling was all cockeyed and wampus. and every, It was a mess. And the front door had it was all beat up. And, and the door into the kitchen there. And the floor was bad. And it had little dips in it. And it needed to be redone. I said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it until, number one, the Lord provides. And number two, we do the whole thing because it's all got to go when it goes. We started working on it. We started ripping it up. Boy, that's fun. Just tearing the whole thing apart and demolishing it. We're getting the whole thing out and, and we get it out. And we get the, you know, I found some cupboards on Craigslist. Boy, that's a great option. And I uh, went over and picked him up and we we brought them in and, and we put the floor down and we put a new ceiling in and we painted and everything. And I had that door on the end of the kitchen I had to get fixed. And wouldn't you know... The timing worked out. So my son had to be out with our son and daughter-in-law in in California. And there I was at home alone. And I said, wow, I'm going to do this door by myself. That's not a good idea. I'm wrestling with this whole door and, and I'm trying to figure out how to get this thing up the stairs so it's going to be in place when I need it. In the meantime, I'm trying to think, how do I get the old door out? This house is from 1960. And so I'm thinking, what do I do? What do I do? How am I going to get this out? I start beating on it. No, they did, I don't know what they did. They must have spikes about this long going over into the jams on both sides. And so I'm looking up on Google and it says, use a sawzall and cut the nails. Good idea. Off to Home Depot, I went and bought a Sawzall. Should have done that years ago. I could have used it multiple times and uh didn't but i bought a sawzall i'm in there whee, cutting off those nails you know pretty soon i'm beating on it whoa that whole door is gonna come loose <laughs> that is cool and i put in there's nobody on the other side to catch it and so uh, i'm opening the door running through trying to catch it like this and and i'm trying to hold the thing up and then i finally got the whole thing loose it came out of there and boy that was a mess underneath there somebody kind of jury rigged what was underneath the door and the sill and and the sides and there was a big gap over on one side of it's about that big. And I said, what am I going to do with that? First of all, I'm going to get my other door in. I wrestled with that crazy thing until I got the door in place. And I said, Lord, you got to help this thing go in. Please let it go in. The, the spot that has to go in. I pushed that thing up. Whew, there it went. Praise, there's that gap over there. What am I going to do with that gap? And of course, to my mind came great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff! I looked online and it said use a medium expanding foam for any gaps that you have. I said that's that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm in there and I come. I'm got. It's about ten thirty at night now, and I'm in there and I'm filling that in. Great stuff! Oh, I love that stuff. And by the way, by the way, if you get done using it though, don't don't just let it stay in the straw. You'll never use the rest of the can. They got you on that one. Use a little WD forty shove it through there, clean out your straw, you're good to go for the next round. You can have that tip for free. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm in there and I'm spraying it in there and I'm going, this is going to expand a little bit and I'm not worrying about it. I closed up shop, wiped my brow, went to bed about 11 o'clock that night. I was bush. I came back the next morning and something had happened. There was great stuff coming out the side on the brick wall about six inches all the way along. And it expanded and blown up. And I said, medium expanding foam. This is not what I expected. Next thing I'm doing, Google, how do you get great stuff off of brick? Elbow grease. You know what that is, don't you? Elbow grease and a wire brush. I'm in there. I'm scrubbing. I go, man, if I hadn't put so much of that great stuff in there and I hadn't expanded so far. But you know what the goal is? The goal is to fill up the gap. Listen, if there's a job that needs done, plug it up. Get in there. What is it that you can do, what your gift is, what God has provided the means for you to do? And you can say, pastor, what can I do? How can I serve? Where's the spot you want me to be? In the case of this man in verse number 19, Ezer, he was the job of filling up the spot right there by the going up of the armory. That's his job. He's gap focused. And I love this because not only was he gap focused, but watch these people, their goal focus on this common project. Look at chapter number six and verse number 15, chapter number six, verse number 15. It says, so the wall was what finished. The wall was finished in the 20 and fifth day of the month in 52 days. You say, wow, what a project. You know why they got it done? Because they had a plan and they had a goal. And they went all the way to the end of it. And hey, you got projects undone at your house? Are the things that you wanted to do for in your lifetime that you've always desired? I'm not talking about your bucket list. Like one lady I was with this year, 80 years old. And she said, I always wanted to jump out of an airplane. She did it on her 80th birthday. The year before she went water skiing. She said, I'm just going to do what I can while I've got a chance. Listen, what are you going to do for God? That's what I want to do. What's your goal? I tell my kids, I say, listen, you got to get a goal. You got to see the end before the beginning. I often ask preachers as we travel in the ministry. I say, what's your goal? What are your what are your intentions? What's your plan? How are you planning to make this happen? What do you think will be the next step for you to be able to accomplish what you believe God is moving you toward? And you, I say, this is what you got to do. You got to be number one. God approved. It needs to be God approved. In other words, you need to make sure that God's in on it and it is directed from his word. Find a scripture that God is using in your life and allow it to dictate where you go and what you do. And then make sure that it's observable, that it's observable. You see, a lot of times people say, I I asked one pastor, I said, what do you want to see happen? He says, well, we want to be better this year than next year. I said, ding, 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 wrong answer. He said, what do you mean? I said, let me give you an example. I talked with a pastor. I said, what's your goal? He said, our goal this year is to replace all of those sawdust heavy tables that we've been carrying around for years with those plastic lifetime tables. I said, ding, ding, ding. That's an observable goal. It can happen. Is it attainable? Is it attainable? One preacher I talked to had a church of about 100. He said, we want to have 700 people get saved this year. I said, you think you'll make it? He said, I doubt it. I said, get an attainable goal. And stretch it because God will stretch you. I was in a church service down in Florida. And the pastor got up and he said, our goal. All of a sudden, my my antennas are up. He said, our goal this year is to see six families come to faith in Christ and be assimilated into the church. I said, there's a goal. Yeah. What is your project? Where are you headed? Is it attainable? And then legible. Oh, aren't you glad that God wrote down his goals for us? He's got it right there. And so as we consider that, I said, Lord, the other day I I stopped by the place up in Oregon. where The Lord had allowed me to serve. I remember the first one of the first days that I went in there. Did you say 20 after or 22? Okay, (laughs) Uh, But I went in there and I said, uh, I said, you know what? We've got to fix some things. Oh, you've done that here, haven't you? You just got to fix some things. I walked into the sanctuary and in the vestibule, there was green and orange and brown and yellow in. ah, I'm telling you, this stuff was wild. It was shag carpet. It was about that thick. You know what I'm talking about? Shag carpet It's all matted over. Yeah. I said, it's got to go, Lord. Got to go. People come in. This is embarrassing. I walked inside the sanctuary, had green indoor outdoor carpet, seamed together with gray duct tape. Oh, sick. Lord, it's got to go. I don't know how it's going to go. I know this is a church that needs to grow. I know that there's, there, there's not a lot of money for this, but Lord, it, it's got to go. You want us to do what's right for your honor and glory. We want to honor you and what you're doing. Lord, Lord, I wrote down. I wrote everything I could think of down. I I, read, I went into the ladies' bathroom and in there they had one stall. I said, Lord, we got to have more. God allowed us to be able to get going on that project. The men came over and we got going on it. And we put another stall in the ladies' bathroom. And the, one of the neighbors came over and he said, what's going on over there? He said, I see all these men going in and out of there with tools. I said, oh, we're just increasing our seating capacity. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have any idea. Oh, okay, that's great. <laughs> We were taking care of. Hey, listen, I wrote it down a year later. I went back to my desk. I pulled out of the drawer. I looked at that list that i had written down two pages of things and all but just a couple of them had been accomplished. And I'm going to tell you, I know you're not supposed to do that when you go into the ministry, but I'm going to tell you when I wrote it down, it began to formulate in my mind a direction. And I said, God, are you in this and pray over that list and say, God, here we go. We're going forward. Thank you for your word. It directs us. Now, God, help the work that you want me to do to be effective. And I pray that it will. And I would say, just make it sensible. I'm talking about wisdom from God. God's sense. That's what we're talking about. A goal. Have a goal in life. I want to encourage you young people. Listen, have a goal. Know where you're headed. I ask young people all the time. What's your plan? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Boy, I tell you. Hey, listen, get a goal. Somebody, a young man came to me. He says, I think maybe the Lord wants me to be a missionary. I said, where does he want you to be a missionary? He said, I don't know. I said, then you ask God to create in you a burden for a particular geography and a particular place where people are. And say, God, lay that burden on me so strongly that that's where I need to be. Because God's going to direct you. One lady came to me in Pennsylvania a few weeks, a few months ago, and she said to me, preacher, she said, I've been praying for my husband for all these years. She said, I've changed the way I pray. She said, I decided that this year I'm praying that God will save my husband in 2016. I said, I like that. You're praying with a definite plan in mind. God, please, you do whatever you want according to your will. But, oh, Lord, I'm urgent about this. I'm consumed with this. These men had a common project and they were God focused and they were gap focused and they were goal focused. And I was reading about Lou Holtz. You know him as the coach. Well, he was at Notre Dame for a while and then with the Gamecocks in South Carolina. He said on this team, we're all united in a common goal to keep my job. (laughs) That's a coach for you, right? I like what Jed Rakoff said. He said in baseball, you have individual responsibility. And if you fail, you get an air big E. But at the same time, your focus is on the common goal of the team to win. He says, this resonates with people and this is how they would like society to work. Have you figured out that in society, we've got some problems that are taking us the wrong way? We've got problems that are making us go in a direction that's not going to make winners out of us. Our scholastic scores in America are directly related to the fact that we have a different direction we're taking and it's not going better. It's a problem in our culture tonight, Lord willing. We'll talk about that very thing as we talk about Israel, talk about America and talk about some of those issues that are facing us in this day and age. Uh, But I like what Sam Walton said. He said, we're all working together. That's the secret. We're doing it together. My grandma used to sing the more we work together, 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 the more we work together, the happier we'll be. You say that sounds like something off of Barney, the purple dinosaur. She'd sing, for your work is my work and my work is God's work. The more we work together, the happier we'll be. That's the key. It's getting together and finding the common goal and the common project and saying, Lord, here we go. We're asking you to help. But this is beautiful. I love this because these were cooperative people here. That's what it takes. You've got to have people that are working in the same project And cooperatively doing it. Look at this. In verse number 19, it says, next to him repaired Ezer. Somebody tell me about Ezer. Anybody know about Ezer? I've heard of Ebenezer. I've heard of other sneezers and other things like that. I don't know anything about Ezer. Anybody know anything about Ezer? Not I. I've studied it out. I can't find much about him. There's a few of them along the scripture. As far as his background, he's the son of Jeshua. We pulled out of a street recently and my wife said to me, there goes a homeless man right there. She said, I wonder whose son he is. He's the son of somebody. This man was the son of Jeshua. There's a few of those in the scripture. The Bible says that he was the ruler of Mizpah. The ruler of Mizpah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is the ruler of Mizpah doing repairing a wall? Shouldn't he be back at the office filing papers and telling everybody what to do? He's the ruler. Uh, uh, Wait a minute. There's more guys. If you look at the list, they're rulers too. What are they doing on the wall? You know what I'm figuring? These people weren't concerned about their titles. These people weren't concerned about their abilities. They weren't concerned about their rank. They knew there was something that needed to be done, and they had determined they were going to get in with the team that was doing it. That's the beautiful thing of it. You can look through the scripture. You're not going to find a lot about any of these guys. But I'm going to tell you, what you will see is that these people are working together. Look at verse number 20. It says, and after him, Baruch, the son of Zabii, how did he repair? Did you notice that? Earnestly. You talk about a funny Hebrew word. This is the same word used when it talks about God's anger being hot against sin. In other words, he was fired up. And I don't know what Ezer was doing in verse 19, but I know that the guy next to him, Baruch over here, he must have been, whew, hand me another brick, man, give me that, whew, whew, I want some more of that stuff. He's really going at it. And, you know, Ezer looks over at him and he goes, wow, buddy, you're making me look bad. Slow down. You know what I'm saying? Or, or hey, hey, wow, I don't know how you do that. Keep that up. Keep that up. Hey, you can help me over here when you get finished over there. Hey, listen, if you got something, he, maybe he was just hyper about the whole thing. I have no idea, but I know this. He earnestly repaired. You know what we could use in God's family? Some people who get real earnest about it. Some people who get heated up. Some people who get zealous for God. You want to read a good story or something? time you read about Phineas, he got zealous for God. Stop the plague. Oh, by the way, he's going to have people down his line all the way down who are going to keep on serving God. Why? Because he got zealous. You look through the scripture and you see people who got fired up and got heated up for God. And I'm looking for I'm looking for I'm looking for young men who get heated up and say, God, if you can use me as a preacher of the gospel, I've got a whole list of churches that need preachers. We used to have preachers, but we didn't have churches. Now we've got churches and we don't have preachers. And we need to pray. God, raise up a fire in these young men that they'll be able to come and to proclaim the word of God faithfully in these places where they get a fire in their bones. Like Jeremiah said, he said, it's so burning inside me, I could not stay. Oh, I gotta tell them. I gotta let them know. I needed passion. Oh, they earnestly repaired. And I, I can't. I can't get over what a blessing it is when you get to working with people who have that kind of spirit and they cooperate. I was reading about Teddy Roosevelt. He said this. He said the most important single ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. Let me change that one little bit. The most important ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with God. When you get along with God and when you get next to him, then it's going to change how you function with people. And you're going to find a beauty that only God can bring about when we get into God's word and find true success there. A lot of times people are thinking that success is just a path like this that goes straight to the sky. The truth is, it's really not. The truth is, it's very much different. Uh, Most of the time it kind of squiggles and winds all the way up and around and sometimes it goes backwards and behind and everything else. But I love what it says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein every once in a while, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to a few things in it, to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way, what? Prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Listen, if you're interested in having success, it's going to have to be directed by God through his word as you begin to see God moving in and among you and those that are with you. And you begin to say, God help. Hey, listen, are you going to face opposition? Nehemiah sure did. Sanballat and Tobiah, they're right there. There's a whole bunch of people who are willing to try to discourage you along the path. You get with the people who are going God's way. You ask God for encouragement from him and him alone, and you're going to find that that's where the challenge is. Look at your Bibles at Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23. The Bible says that during the time of the crucifixion, verse number 32, there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. They crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. These malefactors, it says, are, are there on the other crosses. And then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself in us. Did you notice where these malefactors were? They were next to him. But they both weren't with him. This one says, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him. Verily I say unto thee. Finish the verse with me please. Today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know as I considered that. I just was thinking. Jesus is there on that cross. On that. Incredible day. There's a man on one side. They were both close enough. To connect. But one. Rejected that relationship. The other one received it. And you. Might be in the same situation for today. You're here. You're close enough. But you have the opportunity to receive. The Christ who alone can save you. Who can give you direction for your life. And more importantly. A home in heaven for all of eternity. A relationship with the heavenly father. Oh. If today you understand that. Reach out and receive him. Accept the forgiveness that he alone can give for your sins. Allow him to save you. That's what the scripture says. Song says, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed blessed Lord. Draw me nearer. Close to thee, close to thee, close to thee. close What about you? Are you interested in being closer? Are you interested in getting next? To the one who alone has saved you or can. Nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that the closer our relationship is with God, the more we get into his word, the more we desire fellowship times in prayer, the more we begin to understand that it's not about us at all, but it's about our relationship with him. Then we begin to. To understand what our purpose is in life. And we begin to look for ways we can serve him with all of our heart. In close proximity. On a common project. With cooperative people. Going God's way. And I believe that that kind of teamwork. Can continue to move us forward. But it all starts when we get close to him. When our relationship is close to him. You say, my relationship isn't close to him. then today it ought to be changed. You say, how can it be changed? Confess it is sin. Just say, God, I desire, I desire you. I want to spend time with you. I need to be alone with you. I want to find out what you want me to do. Hey, that's what a servant does. A servant doesn't look around for ways he can do his own thing. He just says, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And when that happens, and we go forward as a mighty throng. To reach you, Dean, to to move into the new building, to go forward with the camp ministry, to make a difference in your work, to fill up the vacancies that are there among us and let us go forward for God as a mighty team. How can it happen? I think that little phrase tucked away in Nehemiah chapter three, and all of a sudden it just jumped out is the key. Just get next to him. Get next to him. And then next to those that are going God's way. Father, help us. For we need the encouragement to move as a team, Lord. Oh, Lord, we've been fractured and we've been fragmented in so many places around this country. And Lord, we realize that in these last days, there may not be a huge throng that's all going down the wide route, but there ought to be those of us who are connected together, who know that you're leading us and we're going forward for you and we're needing your help. Lord, I pray for those in this room today who are not having a personal relationship with Christ. Who do not have a personal relationship. There might be some in this room today and you need Jesus. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you need a Savior. And you've come today and now today in the burden of your heart. You're crying out, I need Christ. I need what he alone can bring to me. The forgiveness of sins. No, my friend, there's no way you can pay for it, but he alone can do it. Do you need him today? Would you trust him today? Are there those in this room today and you say, I've trusted him and I know him, but my relationship is not what it used to be. Oh, God, please restore those relationships. Bring us next to you. God, help us to desire the closeness with you so that we can make a difference By your grace. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus name. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing? And as we do, God speaking to your heart, if there's one in this room and you need Jesus today, I would invite you to to come and let us show you from a Bible how you can know for sure. Just slip out of your seat and let us show you. If there's someone you say, listen, my relationship is not close. I desire that closeness. Then maybe this morning you need to come to this altar and kneel and say, God, please help me. Help me to get next to you. May you be honored and glorified. Together, let's sing it. What is the song? 530. Let's sing it. Nearer, still nearer, close to my heart. Draw me, O Savior, how precious Thou art. Hold me, oh, fold me close to thy breast. Shelter me safe in that haven of rest. Shelter me safe in that haven of rest.
1: to be closer to the Lord each and every day as it goes on. Amen to that? Amen. I'm praying that God will speak to my heart. You pray this week for these young people, for our counselors, and for our lives, and for our church. We draw closer to the Lord. We understand. Some people don't want to get around because then they might find themselves getting their hands a little bit dirty. Yeah. Nehemiah 4.6, it says the walls were joined together because the people had a mind to work. Amen to that? Amen. Things are accomplished as we say, God, what do you want me to do? Are we afraid to ask Him that? I'm going to tell you something. Being away from the Lord is the worst thing that can happen to you. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved. And if you found yourself the your fire for God, your passion for the Lord is not what it ought to be, then you get where it needs to be. Mm-hmm.